Today's verse, uh, we're looking at verse 29 of Hebrews 11. Um, It will be on screen. If you want to turn to it, you can as well. Uh, So let me read uh, just verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Um, First thing to notice is this is the first of our list where we've stopped talking about the kind of big names or big individuals, really, um, and we're talking about a group of people. So this is not Moses, this is not Abraham, this is the people. Um, Faith is not going to be something that's hard to relate to. Uh, It's not beyond anyone's reach. Um, Sometimes you hear people talk about, um, you know, you have faith, that's great, Um, really want to get behind that, but it's not for me. Hebrews 11 says that's not true. Uh, The author is trying to make a point that anyone is able to have faith. Um, If you can't, if you don't feel like you can manage to be like Moses, hopefully a person is not too far beyond your reach, Um, and together we can probably manage to be people. Um, And particularly, maybe that's true because of who these people are in the passage. Um, These are the Israelites who, uh, we're going to talk about them going through the Red Sea, Um, but when they go through the Red Sea, they're the same people who end up grumbling in the desert for 40 years. So um, if these guys can demonstrate an act of faith, then anyone can. Um, And what Hebrews 11 is trying to say is anyone is capable of faith, and everyone who belongs to God's people has it um, in some measure. We grow in faith, certainly, um, but first and foremost, we are people of faith. We have faith in us. It's there in some quantity. Um, earlier in our passage, the writer says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is the key to pleasing God. Faith is what gives us our identity as his people. And so tonight I want to talk about that identity of what it is to be a Christian as part of the church of God's church of God's people. Uh, I want to refresh your memory as we've been refreshing our memory of what Jesus has done for us uh, through communion. I want to refresh our memory through the story of the Red Sea. And I'm going to explain what that looks like. Uh, over the the time, but let me give some context to the passage I'm going to read from Exodus 14. Um, You remember uh, God's people, the Israelites, have been enslaved in Egypt, and okay, okay, Um, and uh, you remember Joseph uh, from the musical, if you prefer, Um, and uh, he is taken. He's enslaved, he's sold into slavery by his brothers, he's taken to Egypt. Uh, He is then promoted to be kind of prime minister, really, of Egypt. And um, in that place, he then brings his family across. And we fast forward time, and we get to where we are now in this passage, where the people of Israel as a people are enslaved and are now um, coming out of slavery and um, into the desert, but eventually into the promised land. So let's read from Exodus 14. Verses 21 to 31, so it'll be on the screen. Then Moses stretched his hand out over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it to dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hands over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. 
Moses stretched his hand out over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Um, I wonder which life events from your life kind of most define you as a person. Um, My mum has this theory as to why I'm very punctual. If you know me well, you'll know I tend to arrive kind of five, 10, 15 minutes earlier than everyone else. Um, And she has this theory that when we were living in the States, as I was a young kid, I was about six years old, and uh, we were getting our flight back to the UK, and my dad very narrowly caught that flight. Um, and apparently that was a traumatic experience, and that's why I'm so punctual. Um, I don't know if I believe that, um, but that's kind of what this story becomes for the people of Israel. Um, for Israel, the Exodus, this kind of whole picture, of this particular bit we're focusing on is the crossing of the Red Sea, it shapes their identity. If you want to understand the Israelites, this is a good place to start. And it's a key point in their story because when Joseph and the rest of Jacob's family went into Egypt, they were just kind of a small family, really, a a bunch of people. But when they leave, they're a nation. They're a people. And so their identity is really forged in Egypt as they're coming out of Egypt. And so just like my mum likes to tell the story of my punctuality, the Israelites like to remember how God brought them through the water out of Egypt. Why? Because it tells them who they are in God's eyes. It tells them their identity. It helps them remember who they are. And so, just a few verses on the screen, on the next slide. They do multiple things with this story. They sing it in their songs. So Exodus 15, the chapter immediately after this, they sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider is heard into the sea. Psalm 78, God parted the Red Sea and led them through it. Joshua 3, they, they reenact this story. It comes up multiple times in their, their history. They cross another river. And Isaiah 51, they pray this in their prayers to God. They plead with him, Lord, you delivered us. Um, you delivered us from uh, the people of Egypt through the sea. Lord, do it again. Save us again. This is part of their identity. And I want us to have this sort of way of viewing our identity. Just as we've done that with communion, I want to talk about how we are to understand God's love for us and how he has saved us by faith as people of faith. And I want to do that through the crossing of the Red Sea. And as I talk about that, I want to focus on the water, which I'll explain what I mean by that. Water kind of functions as a natural barrier in lots of ways. It, it helps mark out things. So um, you'll see my little science experiment on the side. Water physically marks things out by density. So things rise or float, and liquids kind of sit at different levels based on density. Um, Geographically, water helps form boundaries. So as a country, as the UK, as a collection of uh, states, we are kind of, our identity is formed by the fact that there's no one else around. We're a bunch of islands. Um, A few other bits and pieces as well, but that's a big part of it. And then because of that, at a personal level, Identities are kind of formed by water as well. So uh, the next slide, you'll see that uh, I've got a picture of Cambridge. Um, That's where I'm from. 
Um, if you couldn't place the accent, you can now. Um, and that literally means that I'm a man from the bridge on the River Cam. Um, and if you want something a bit closer to home, uh, you can see another bridge which marks uh, north and south of the Forth. And personalities and identities and accents change based on the water. The water in this story helps us to visualize how faith has defined our identity. And I'll explain that as we go through. But I want to do that using three kind of directions in which the water forms barriers. And because I'm a bit of a geek and I play computer games, for me, the obvious way of doing that was through the arrow keys on your keyboard. Um, partly because everyone uses the keyboard as well, so you'll remember this. So we are going, the people of Israel went through the water. Up is through, in my mind. Through the water. We're going to look at where we've come from out of slavery. And we're going to look at walking in freedom. I couldn't find something for the down arrow, so the <laughs> pedants among you can think about, you can find your own solution to that one. So, through the water. The Israelites physically were trapped between the sea and the Egyptians. We've talked about rivers and, and water forming geography. Well, there's a, a sea in the way of them escaping, and they didn't leave the way you'd normally leave if you were trying to get out of Egypt. They kind of went to the east and got stuck between uh, the army of Egypt and the water, and so they are trapped, and they have nowhere to go. There's literally nothing for them to do, and they are completely cut off, and they are outnumbered, and if you read the passage in its full, you'll see that that's almost comically outgunned, if you like. They've got weapons in their hands, but they're against chariots, and... and Crudely put, chariots are kind of like the tanks of the ancient world. Um, taking a sword against one of those is not hugely effective. And we're meant to see that they are not capable of saving themselves here. But God uses his servant Moses to miraculously open a way and lead them through the waters. And so we read in Exodus 14:22, the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with a wall of water on their right and on their left. They are saved through the waters from their enemies. God provides a way out for them. And I've kind of touched on how that's a repeating theme in the Old Testament, but it's actually a theme in the New Testament as well. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writing, he says, Our ancestors, the Israelites, were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They all passed through the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, that is what he's saying there, what word he uses. He says, they all pass through the sea, they were all baptized. He links baptism to going through the sea. And as Christians, as God's people of faith, he's saying, we also go through the waters. That is part of our identity. That is a marker point for us. We all go through the water of baptism. And if you're new to Christianity or you've not kind of been in church before, um, basically what that looks like is we, we take someone who's a new believer who's trusted in Jesus and we plunge them into water till they're submerged and we bring them out again. And we do it to everyone, not just the people we're not sure on. Um, and um, I'm joking. Um, and it's a sign of dying to your old life and being raised to new life. It's a sign of um, coming out of my sin having it forgiven, and being born again into a new life. And just like the Red Sea, it's something that everyone who believes in God passes through and can look back on to remember who they are. 
It helps form our identity. The crossing of the Red Sea helps us understand the significance of baptism for us. You see, just like the Israelites, we were trapped, weren't we? We can look back and say, we were trapped. I had nowhere to go. But God made a way for me to be saved by his strength and not my own. I was outgunned and outnumbered, but God saved me. Just like the Israelites, as we entered the waters, we left our old lives behind in slavery, and we took up a new identity as a people of faith. God used his servant Moses to open a way and then to lead them, to physically walk them through the waters. And so God used his servant Jesus to open a way for us to escape out of slavery. And he leads us through baptism into new life. And of course, the really helpful thing about that, of using the Red Sea as a comparison of baptism, is it shows us it's not the water that matters. It's the faith Remember, these are the people who go through the water and then turn away from God. They had faith for one act, but not for their whole lives. Just going through the water doesn't make you right with God. It's faith that pleases God, not water. But I think sometimes we're so keen to talk about how baptism is just an outward sign of faith that we downplay something that is designed to help us understand our identity in God. This is something given to help us see something of what it is to be brought out of slavery and into freedom. Just think with me for a moment. Imagine you're an Israelite, and you have just escaped out of Egypt. You've begun your journey out, and you suddenly see your Egyptian slave master and the army behind him coming down the hill towards you, and you realize you have nowhere to go, and your slave master is catching up with you, and you're about to face either death or more slavery, and the waters open up in front of you. Huge walls of water open up on the right and the left, and you can see the other side, and you can see freedom. You can see safety. You step out in faith. You walk through. You come out the other side. Your old life, your old masters, the old things that controlled you are literally swallowed up in the waters. You are no longer a slave. You are free because the people that held you in slave are gone. You no longer have to fear. You no longer have to, the next morning, worry about what's going to happen. Everything that could have hurt you has been drowned in the sea. You can see it on the shore. Something has happened that has changed your life forever, and that is what it means to become a Christian and to go through the waters. That is what, if you're a Christian here, that is what you've experienced. And there's something about putting it like that that shows the finality of what we've been through. Let me ask you, have you put your faith in Jesus and gone through the water? Faith in Jesus is open to all people. You don't have to be Moses. You can experience this freedom as a normal person. That's what Hebrews is saying. It says, if you try to face God without faith, you will drown, but with faith in Jesus, you will live. Come with us. Um, If you read carefully, if you read earlier in Exodus 12, it says, that many of the people who went through the waters were not Israelites. They joined themselves to the people they were invited. And, and that's what we're saying. This is not something for the few. This is something for the many. This is not exclusive. It's invitational. Come with us. Come with us. Believe in faith and receive life. Come through the waters. Come out of your old life and into freedom. That's what the Christian message is. We are people of faith who have been through the waters, whom God has saved out of captivity. 
So through the waters. Next, out of slavery. So looking back. Let me ask you, if you were the Israelites and you just walked through the sea with these huge things on either side, these huge walls of water, what would be your first thing you'd do? Um, I, I think I would probably want to sit and process somewhere. Um, <laughs> probably find a quiet corner with a cup of tea. Um, probably not do what they did, which was immediately sing. Have you ever noticed that? Literally the next chapter, they're singing. And that's quite important. Because if you read that song, you'll see that they don't sing about the thing you expect them to sing about. You think, okay, they've seen this great miracle, they've been through the waters, you've seen God literally do something incredible that he's never done before. Surely you sing about that, because that tends to be, let's be honest, what our brains go to and what a lot of movies tend to focus on. But that's not what they sing about primarily. They sing more about the victory of God. More about the fact that he has defeated their enemies. You see, they sing, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. Who among the gods is like you, O God, O Lord? I think we misunderstand the Exodus and do ourselves a disservice in our understanding of what God has done for us. If we think that God's intention was just to sneak them out the back door, um, this is not like a prison break. This is like the sacking of prison management and the closure of the prison. God's intention is not just to perform a rescue, but to totally and utterly defeat the enemies that held them captive. The priority is not getting out of Egypt. The priority is that God defeats the powers that held Israel enslaved and therefore prevents any going back to Egypt ever again. And so we need to see that when the waters return to their place, the water is forming a physical barrier, which does something, it does two things really. God is com- completing his victory by totally destroying the, the strength of the Egyptians, the army that represents their strength. The power of the Egyptians is crushed in the waters. And he is physically separating the Egyptians from ever enslaving the people of Israel again. There is a covering and a drowning, and there is a separation. And I think that's really important. Because Israel are free, absolutely. That is important in this. But the reason they are free is because all the enemies are gone. Not because they've just moved somewhere. And kind of, we tell the story kind of about the waters, but it's more about the victory of God. And what does that mean for us then? How does that help us understand our identity? Well, if you read the rest of the Old Testament, it becomes clear that the Israelites actually were still enslaved, not to the Egyptians. God's rescue was fully accomplished in that, but to their own sin. And so we read a number of verses, and I've just picked a few out. Um, Your iniquities, your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Because of our sins, they cry, we and our kings and our priests have been subject to the sword and captivity. And then Paul writes in Romans, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of, those things that result in death? See, the people of Israel found out throughout the rest of their history that they had been freed from Egypt, but they were not really free to live the lives they wanted to live. The Bible tells us that that's the reality for people. Is no matter our circumstances in life, we are all enslaved to sin in our natural state. We're 
unable to live lives that are really free. Be it addictions or obsessions or, or just living our own way. And our enemy is, in the end, not Pharaoh or any other power, but our own ability through sin to live as God commands us. And there are other things as well that captivate our minds and, and hold us in chains. And so we see throughout the Bible that the greatest, of God's, uh, the greatest enemy of God's people is not the Egyptians, but we're talking about something bigger here. We're talking about captivity on a greater scale. And that is where Jesus steps in. That is where our identity comes in. Because for people whose faith is in Jesus, our enemy has been defeated. Where Moses lifted up his hand over the sea and the water drowned their enemies, so Jesus has been lifted up on a cross and his sacrifice has drowned our sin. Jesus has both disarmed, taken away the power of every enemy that enslaved us and has separated our enemies from ever reaching us again. I think some of us need to hear that. We have not just been free from our sins. We are not just forgiven. Our sin has been crushed under the waters and separated from us by the sea. There is a barrier in the way. So the power of sin no longer has any say over our life and it can never grab hold of us again and take us captive. We sung that refrain earlier. He is victorious, forever glorious. The name of Jesus overcomes. Again, imagine the freedom the Israelites felt. So standing on the shore, you're looking back at where you've come from. You're looking back at where you were enslaved. You know that the Egyptians can never reach you again. The strength of their army is crushed. Their power to enslave you is completely gone. There's no way across. The waters have gone back in their place. And we can do the same thing as people of faith. We look back and we see that we have been through the waters. We stand on the other side. As we look back, we see the barrier of water behind us holding back our past life. We see the strength of our enemy is buried under the waters, never to return. No more accusations laid against us that can hold. We see our sin lying dead on the shore just like they saw the Egyptians. Everything that enslaved us is on the other side. It's in the past. We're no longer slaves, we're free. And as the Israelites sung the praises of God as they reached the shore, they sung, horse and rider, he is flung into the sea. So now we sing the praises of our God who saved us from our enemies, who defeated death, who drowned our sin in the sea, and who frees us to live for him. So we sing, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? You are, if you believe and have faith in Jesus, you are no longer a slave. You have been freed by the sacrifice of Jesus in your place. At the cost of his son, God has brought your freedom. There is no power or no influence which can now bring you back to what you were before. For people of faith, God has set us free out of slavery. So we've gone through the waters. We've been set free from slavery. And now we walk in freedom. If you uh, read on in Exodus, you'll see that many of the people who crossed the Red Sea did not continue to walk with God. They walked through the water, but their act of, act of faith was not equal to a life of faith with him. And that's really important. So let me ask you just a challenge. 
Are you living a life consistent with the freedom that God has won for you? And that's not to condemn you. That's to provoke you. That's to say, like Israel, we can often be tempted to go back to Egypt. We can be tempted to turn back to our sin and embrace it again. And I just want to say, don't go back. You know that slavery. You have been set free. God has made a way and has saved you through the water. And don't be discouraged. Absolutely don't be discouraged that you still do stuff that you don't want to do, that there's still acts of sin in your life. But remember that he has drowned sin's power over us in the sea. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But don't also deliberately reject him like the Israelites did. Paul writes, warning us not to go back to slavery to sin. He says, what benefit did you receive at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? You know those things result in death. Jesus made a way for us to be saved through the water. He has defeated the power of our enemies and has separated completely us from slavery. Don't go back. And we talk about physical barriers. He talks about the, we're going through the waters, the waters on either side opening up a way. We've talked about how we can see that our slave lives are held back by the water. I just want to say, there is a wall of water behind you. Don't go swimming. You know where that goes. You know the bodies lying on the floor at the bottom of the sea. You know there was nothing good back in Egypt. And let's not be, let's take Paul's warning that we talked about from that verse. Let's not be like the Israelites who went back to Egypt. We know what that's about. And it's, it's about, that's about slavery and this is about freedom. I just want to plant a big sign in your mind tonight, you know, where you see there's amazing reservoirs and you're really tempted to take a jump into the water and it just says, don't go swimming. I just want to plant that sign in your life tonight and say, don't go swimming. Don't go back. Set your eyes forward and walk in freedom. Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's what we're living in. God has freed you to live for him by faith in Jesus. And I just want to pray that we get that tonight. We're reminded again of who we are. As we've shared communion together and we've uh, broken bread and drunk wine and remembered Jesus' sacrifice for us, I just want to remember how complete that is and see that through the Red Sea. We have seen the power of God. Jesus on the cross, our crucified saviour, he has crushed the power of death. He's defeated all our enemies. And as we walk into the promised land, let's fear God. Not in fear of judgment, but in praise of our freedom. And let me just finish with three ways to respond. If um, the band want to come up and just play, that'd be great. And we're going to pray together just for a few moments, and then we're going to sing of our freedom and rejoice and praise them on the banks, on the shore, and praise God for what he has done in defeating our enemies. And I just want to give you three ways to respond. And the first is, have you, um, have you put your faith in Jesus and gone through the waters? Um, I don't know um, where everyone's at. Um, I don't know uh, whether you consider yourself a Christian or not. I just want to say, if you want to come with us, come with us. Um, this is an invitational message. Um, we're, uh, we are the people of God. We've, we've come through the waters. We've had faith and we've put our trust in Jesus. And I just want to say we'd love you to join us. We recommend it. We recommend the freedom of this life. Um, and if that's you and you want to do that, um, as we sing in a moment, uh, why not just decide to make this night a marker? As the Israelites look back and could see points in their history where this was a moment for me, Actually, just make this a moment for you tonight and decide during the worship, I'm going to pray to God. And then if you want to come and talk to 
one of us about that, we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Second, I think some of us, and I'd include myself in this, I think we need to ask God to help us realize the truth of what has happened as we've gone through the waters, to realize the significance of how, how safe we are, how secure we are in God's love, how our slave life has gone behind and how free we are. And I think as we worship tonight, let's pray that God would fill us with his spirit and remind us of how secure we are in him, of how Jesus has led us out of slavery. And finally, I just want to encourage those of you for whom when I said, you know, don't go swimming, don't go back, um, whether there's things in your life that you're very aware of, I just want to remind you of, like, we know, we know those things were slavery. And maybe again tonight is just a marker post for you and saying, I know there are things where I've been tempted to go back to Egypt. And actually, I just want to pray for us tonight that we would know that God has freedom for us. And actually, we just need to keep hold of that and not turn around and go swimming. So why don't we stand? And I'll pray that God's Holy Spirit would be manifest among us as we sing. I'm going to let each of us respond in song in our way, but those three ways particularly. And so, Lord God, we thank you for the completeness of your victory. We thank you that you are victorious. You are glorious, Lord. We thank you for what you have done for our lives. I thank you for the way you have brought us through the waters, for the way you have brought us out of slavery and the way you are bringing us into freedom. And I pray, Lord, that as we sing now, you would witness by your spirit, Lord. I pray you give us boldness to be honest with you and to bring our lives to you afresh, Lord, and receive freedom in your name. We praise you, God. Amen.